Hello and welcome to the Woman Being Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us today. We're going to talk about abstinence and purity culture and all of the damaging things that happened to me. Oh Oh boy. Here we go. (laughs) Welcome to the Woman Being Podcast community. Where we explore thoughts and opinions. And have the freedom to change our minds. Without expectation or judgment. We will hold a safe space and support each other. As we navigate together in the form of feminine. I'm here today, as always, with the wonderful Kelly Ann and Emma. Hello. Thank you for being here today. Thank, Thank you for you, having us. Kelly. <laughs> um, we are here to talk about abstinence today, and we all grew up reading the book by Joshua Harris, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Mm-hmm. If you haven't read it, I am i don't know, maybe don't read it, maybe do, but if you want to get caught up, read it. Pause the episode and read, mm-hmm. and then get back to us, because he we're going to talk about a lot. He does have another book, too. So, yes, he so does. He has two, and then he has one on marriage. Yes. And this was a very common book. Um, uh, for young evangelical uh, children, mm-hmm. teenagers in the church as they navigated dating and sex. Yep. And he recently, I think in the last year, renounced the book, stopped its publication, has left the faith and divorced his wife and his whole career kind of, it seemed, crumbled. So, That's some um, tea. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we all grew up reading this book. What do you guys remember about that? And how was the book framed for you? And how do you feel about it now? Yeah, I mean, for me, I I chose to read the book. My parents didn't make me read it. I was just like, how in the hell do I navigate this thing called abstinence and purity culture? And I was overwhelmed. And I didn't know, I'm for those who are familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a type one. So I want to know what the rules are and how to navigate. And so this was the the resource to go to as a Christian girl that grew up in the church. And um, I remember walking away from reading his books. I mean, I read all three of them, like within the span of like a couple months, because I just wanted the information. I wanted to know how to navigate this. Um, and it was... I went, walked away just being like, okay, my body is capable of dirty, bad things. And I need to make sure that those dirty, bad things don't happen. And I don't think that was his intent in the writing of the book. Just the way my like 14-year-old mind, 15-year-old mind perceived it was, okay, so I'm just going to shut off mm-hmm. this relationship I have with my body. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the weird feelings you might feel... Just shut it down yep. and don't worry about it. And that was my introduction to purity culture. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can totally relate. <laughs> yeah, for me, I I read the book in high school uh, with my church that I went to in high school. They actually had a, a book study class around it uh, where we, we all read it together, a group of us. Um, and I remember there were a few stories in that book that really stood out to me. Um, as sort of like rules that I now needed to follow. So, for example, there's um, a story that he tells in the book about a friend of his who would always look forward to going to youth group because that meant that he could hug this girl that he had a crush on and he would want to hug her because he could feel his breasts against his chest. 
And I thought about that and I said, okay, well, if that's the case, I don't want any boys feeling my breasts against their chest. So I'm not going to hug any boys, period. And that was my rule. And uh, it was it wasn't until a lot later um, as I was like graduating high school that I even allowed one of my close guy friends to give me like a side hug. And so it's things like that where I had a lot of barriers that I put up because of reading this book um, and started to feel a lot of shame around like if anything happened um, between me and a guy then that meant that I was somehow now damaged in a way Um, because I also think about there's a story that he also tells in the book um, that is about a dream that he has where um, he's getting married and uh, there's a line behind his wife of all the girls that he also did anything physical with. And I thought to myself, mm. I don't want a line. Right. And he says, if I marry you, I have to, like, I'm marrying all of these women because yep. I gave a piece of my heart to all of you or something. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to keep the men in my line to a minimum, to a yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and I actually also was one of those people that said, I'm not going to kiss anyone until the altar because of that book. Wow. And so it was like, to me, it, it set up a bunch of rules for me mm-hmm. um, that I eventually broke. But <laughs> yep. same. You know. I mean, I rem- that was the biggest like takeaway for me, that just sort of imagery of like a line of women. And so in my mind, I was imagining like, a line of men and all the people. And I think at the time I was like, I don't think this is, mm-hmm. I think this is a little bit bullshit. But yeah. I didn't, I didn't like fully process that. There was mm-hmm. a part of me that believed that I could, I could give a part of myself away somehow or lose a part of myself accidentally mm-hmm. to somebody that was a boyfriend. Yeah. And um, for me, the book itself wasn't like, I don't remember reading it and being like, oh, I'm so damaged and terrible book you know I think there was a lot of wisdom that I found in there as well so Joshua Harris you didn't completely mess it up I hope you know that yeah but there were some definite major themes that kind of communicated this idea that if you date if you hold someone's hand if Mm -hmm. you you know connect with them too deeply and it doesn't work out then you lost a part of yourself Mm -hmm. and um that that for me I think is problematic yeah you feel really fragile. Yes. You feel like a little delicate flower that can just be crumpled, and then you're worthless. But yeah. that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, is that's actually giving other people the power that, that God has, yes. which is the power to, to give you worth. And God yeah. actually freely gives us all worth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to say that somebody else could take some of your worth away right. is actually, it's, it's kind of idolizing them. So yeah. You're yeah. saying that they have that authority over you. And yeah. they, in fact, they don't. Yeah. yeah. Like you're not a piece of pie. Like yeah. you're not a pie that people can Absolutely. just take pieces of. Yeah. Um, I think that doesn't disqualify like the harm that trauma and emotional abuse and like physical abuse, et cetera, mm-hmm. can do to a person. So I'm not decant- decanting that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, I don't think, like, holding my boy... I had a boyfriend when I was 16. I don't think holding his hand, like, like gave a part of myself away. No. Other than maybe some germs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I now agree. don't hold any boy's hands because we're yes. in a pandemic. Because COVID, yeah. wear a mask. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so I was curious. Uh, Joshua Harris gets a lot... Of flack, mm-hmm. but there are other teachings that we grew up with, and I was curious what 
other teachings do you remember growing up with? I know one for me, and I think this is a very common one, is that your sexuality is like a band-aid. And once you put it on, it sticks. Mm -hmm. But if you take it off, then it's not going to stick as well again. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that was my imagery of my sexuality was a dirty Mm band-aid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember the one where sex is like two boards being glued together. And then when you pull the two boards apart, there are splinters, like, of each board on the other. And I was like, oh, God, like, I don't want. And, you know, there's all the, for those of us who went through the deliverance phase, we're like, I can pray away all my problems. Um, Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. So um, I, then you go back and you're like, oh, my gosh, any boy I've ever had feelings for, I just need to break the soul ties. Yeah. I got to break the soul ties. I can't have it around. And it's like, I mean, for someone who's been married or who is married, um, on your wedding day, you're actually not thinking about anyone else you've ever had a relationship with. If you're marrying someone for the right reasons and you're in love, like, it really doesn't matter. Your mm-hmm. sexual history, like, whether it be spotless or full of crazy stories, like, you're actually, that doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Because it's like, this is my new life. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I was terrified of that. Like, and I mean, I reworked a lot of that mindset, but, um... For several years as a teenager, I was like, oh my gosh, I have all these splinters on me that Mm. I can't remove because they're glued to me. Oh, man. And it's like, that's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) That's the word of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I mean, thankfully, I actually didn't get a lot of these imagery metaphor teachings Mm. that um, you guys experienced. (laughs) But um, one thing that actually, can I just like debunk at least one of these really sure, quick? Sure, yes, yes, please. The, the whole Band-Aid thing. Yes. Or even the splinter thing is so flawed because, first of all, physically, your, your body actually doesn't really change when you have sex. Mm-hmm. Like you, I was listening to um, a uh, sex, oh, what is she? She's a, she's a pediatrician that works with children that have been sexually abused. And um, she was saying how actually after 24 hours, there is no sign of, of sexual activity in the vulva and the vagina. And there's the, your, she compared it to um, your mouth. So like when you get a sore in your mouth, if you like bite the inside of your cheek, it heals really quickly yeah. and it heals pretty much perfectly. And uh, that's what it's like inside of your vaginal canal mm-hmm. and uh it it heals so quickly from anything that may have torn or whatever might have happened like that uh this is actually something that wipes itself clean mm-hmm. which is really beautiful mm-hmm. i think um yeah. and then even if you look at it biblically yeah the fact that jesus actually said that um he died for all sins and that he makes us all pure and this concept of our purity being able to be taken away or broken yeah. or damaged is is not biblical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it completely devalues the, the redemption and the healing that Christ yeah. brings. Like, it's kind of like, well, you're ruined now. It's like, well, actually, thank God that's not the case. Yeah. Because, you yeah. know, Jesus is much bigger than, absolutely. you know, yeah. having premarital sex. Mm-hmm. It's Sorry, true. I'm just, I have to say that. Yeah, he is. 
It's like, and you're also, your worth is way bigger than, oh, than having premarital sex doesn't determine your worth. Totally. At all. As a human. So I remember this one, and at the time we knew this was dumb, so I just want to clarify, we made fun of my pastor for this, and he was like, (laughs) oh, that was maybe not the best imagery to use, but he came in to our youth group, and he had like kind of a board, and it had a nail in it that was like partway Um, into the board and he talked about how sex is not a bad thing but when it's used for something it's not designed for aka premarital sex um it 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 can get damaged or it's that's not the it's being used for something it wasn't made for so the the demonstration he did was he took a banana and he banged against the nail trying to nail it into the board more with the banana and of course the banana was just like shred to pieces and all of us were like this is whack (laughs) so we did make fun of him for that so that wasn't necessarily something that stuck in my mind but I think that prevailing imagery is is um implicit in all sorts of sermons that I heard about purity throughout my Mm -hmm. adolescence which was just that if you do it wrong, you could damage it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it will, you know, it will be a dirty Band-Aid or it will yep. be a shredded banana. Or a, a bald flower with no petals left. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, or a crumple. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if anyone watches Jane the Virgin, but your your sexuality is not a flower that can no. be crumpled. And it's not that fragile. No. It's actually really powerful. Yes. That kind of encapsulates some of the more harmful teachings that we had. I mean, and again, like, I'm not saying that I have PTSD from these things. So harmful is more um, subtle than perhaps, like... But, I mean, I some people kind of do. That's true. Yeah, You're, is that's the true. thing. Yeah. Vaginismus is real. What is Vaginismus? it? Vaginismus. Uh-huh. So okay. basically where you, your, va- your vagina is just so tight that you actually can't have sex and it's because we can embody the shame we've been taught yeah yeah that's true i mean that trauma is held physically in your body mm-hmm. and there's also so many psychological things that come along with that oh yeah that's true <laughs> that's true i was wondering so yes okay harmful teachings i stand by that now you've convinced me but what were some of the good teachings what are things that you remember that convinced you that you know drew you closer to god yeah your body's a temple like that to me was radical. I mean, when I was in um, ministry school, we actually read through the whole Bible like you do in ministry school. And I remember reading about Solomon building a temple. And I'm like, I was, you know, just struck by the detail and the ornateness and the beauty, the true beauty. Because, you know, sometimes when you're raised in conservative households that are Christian, you're you're told beauty is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, wow, like there were there were gems and beautiful, you know, beautiful wood and gold and silver. And I'm like, and God chooses me over that. Like that idea of like, I'm a temple yeah, was radical. I'm the place that he chose to inhabit. Mm-hmm. I was more, I was considered mm-hmm. more, not worthy. I don't know if that's the right word, but I was his choice mm-hmm. over yeah, anything that Yeah, I was, I was his choice, yeah. his preference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. His I think... grand plan. Sorry. Yeah. I think that um, another, uh, yes, for sure, that (laughs) Mm -hmm. was definitely a big thing for me as well, is, you know, the idea that I'm actually this beautiful creation of God's and I'm 
a vessel of of holy spirit and chooses to dwell within me as mm. this temple and this thing that's that's worthy of of dwelling in um but another thing i think of with um abstinence culture uh is that i think is really beautiful is the idea of um two becoming one mm. and that representing christ's love for the church mm. uh we see this this metaphor throughout the bible of of the bride of christ and how the the church is this thing that's so treasured mm. by him and that's so um honored and uh i think it actually shows how much um god doesn't actually care about abstinence as a as a um a qualification to be the bride of christ mm. because the bride of christ the church is so screwed up and has so many things that are wrong with it Mm -hmm. and so many harmful teachings which we've talked about um and and jesus still says this is my beloved Mm -hmm. and i think that the idea of of i think that there have been some harmful ways that the church has twisted that imagery in um the in the realm of it reflecting a husband and wife Uh, but i also think that it's a really beautiful uh, way to 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 connect with God mm-hmm. and recognize that like oh this this bond that I can have with another person is is pointing me towards this bond that that God has with with me as part of the church. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, my youth pastor in, in particular. She was she went around to schools and she did abstinence talks, and so she talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. And one of the beautiful things about that is that we learned to demystify sex as kind of this taboo subject that you don't talk about. So we were open about sex, which was great. Um, One time she was preaching and she talked about um, sex being a gift and our sexuality being a gift from the Lord and something to be enjoyed in the context of marriage. And she, she basically framed it in the sense of like, I love to buy my girls gifts for Christmas. And like, these are gifts that I've prepared for them and I've been thinking about. And so she kind of framed um, your sexual relationship with your spouse as sort of this gift that the Lord is preparing for you mm. and um, has set aside for you for the right time. Mm. And, um, uh, yeah, you don't want to open it before Christmas, essentially. <laughs> but, <laughs> but even so, like, just that to me was was what motivated me is that I'm like, oh, okay, the, the Lord actually wants to bless me. My sexuality is a blessing, and um, my sexual relationship with my husband is a blessing, and so I'm gonna wait for the right time. Mm. Um, that's kind of, and I heard the whole gamut of teachings, yeah. but that was the one that stuck with me, and I remember specifically feeling like fully convinced and fully convicted after yeah. she framed it in that way. So, yeah. I will say there was a really good. It was from a different book. It was not the Icus dating goodbye, and it was not as popular, but they it was the first metaphor I heard that really made sense to me, and it was that um, your sex, sex is like a pickle jar, and if you keep just twisting the pickle jar tighter and tighter and tighter, this was after I had had my first boyfriend and wanted to make out all the time mm-hmm. and wanted to know that that was okay. And so I used this book as justification. <laughs> but um, if you just tighten the pickle jar, all of a sudden on your wedding night, you're expecting to just open the pickle jar with no issues. 
And I think that was the first metaphor that really made sense. And I was like, okay, so maybe this is more of a dance Mm. than a yes and no checklist. Mm. Because you also don't want to leave the pickle jar open all the time. You don't want the pickle jar open. Your pickles go bad. Yeah. Things get dusty. Things get dusty. But also you, you don't want to have such a bad relationship with your body and your sexuality that you just you don't even know how to how to be present yeah and I think that was that was for me I'm learning this now even in my 20s after having been married seven years is that Mm -hmm. like I just shut myself down yeah I was like sexuality is bad I'm gonna wait and even after being married and having had sex many many times wink wink (laughs) (laughs) I love you Ross um uh uh, there's still like kind of a disconnection between my mind and my body yeah and um like who I am and my sexuality and I haven't and I'm learning kind of to embrace that as a part of myself mm-hmm. when I like I mean I was the kid I had a virginity rocks t-shirt it was pink it was adorable I, w- I wore it to school it said virginity rocks I thought I was really cool I mean mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't cool but you I was standing like, up for yeah it. I was standing you up for were. what I believed in what but was right <laughs> which and to be fair like that's totally fine but um, looking back, I'm like, okay, I really, I really didn't know how to, how to be sexual. Yeah. Well, and like, when you think about it, we are born sexual beings. You don't all the, all of a sudden become sexual. Like mm-hmm. sexuality is part of who we are as humans. And it's like, it's a human element. And so I'm still on that journey of welcoming that peace back into my life. And I understand what you mean, like having a a relationship with your body that's kind of cut off yeah it's radical brave vulnerable work (laughs) yeah (laughs) well and you've talked about too like this whole idea of kind of walking having something closed and then turning around and get married one night and then having to suddenly turn it back on yeah Mm -hmm. I mean yeah it's you you expect this big beautiful event that is you and your husband consummating your marriage and it's just fireworks and roses and butterflies and unicorns. Mm-hmm. And it's the most radical, amazing thing you'll ever experience. And, I mean, yeah, it was good. But, like, we also were young and didn't know what we were doing. And if you've never had a sexual relationship, like, you're figuring out what the hell your body does, not to mention someone else's body. And, um, yeah, it, it was a journey, and it's, it still is a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, yeah, there was a phase where sometimes I would just cry after sex and it wasn't that it was painful. It wasn't that my, my feelings were hurt or he did anything wrong. It was just the emotions that come up. Sex, sex is, you know, it's emotional. It's not just a physical act. Yeah. And, um, that was an interesting phase and he was really kind. James was so kind and supportive and he just told me and he'd be like, do you need anything? Like, do you need a glass of wine? <laughs> I'd just be like, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to cry. Um, yeah, and that, it's a journey. It's a journey. Don't make your pickle jar so tight. <laughs> yeah. That when you open it, that it when explodes open, with tears. <laughs> yeah, that it explodes with tears. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, um, I listened to a podcast with Abby Stumble, and she talked about how she kind of went through a journey of like, rejecting her sexuality and then learning how to be like okay thank you sexuality that you're here Mm -hmm. I welcome you as a part of my body but like now is not the time Mm -hmm. 
and sort sort of like learning how to make a connection with with her body and the the urges and the natural feelings that it feels mm-hmm. but also being like okay thank you i welcome you i am sexual this is good i'm glad that you're here but we're going to save this for later and it, i don't know maybe like sometimes it's like okay pickle jar I love you very much. I'm going to set you on the shelf for now mm-hmm. until the right time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you kind of are like, no, don't come here. Reject yeah. it. I remember watching movies and being like, oh, look away. I feel yeah. things where I'm not supposed to be feeling them. And this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Like as if being slightly turned on was a sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, I mean, I learned uh, within the past year that babies actually masturbate in the womb. That's a fun fact. Fun fact. um, Babies masturbate in the womb. And I'm like, is that baby, is that unborn baby sinful? Could it be a evidence of its inherently sinful nature? Yeah. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But I don't know about that. (laughs) I'm just like, I mean, you see it in nature. You see it in humanity. Mm -hmm. Sexuality can also be a coping mechanism. Yeah. And I think... um, I mean, this is a whole different tangent, Um, but I think um, used well and healthily, it might not be sinful. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that things like masturbation and sex outside of marriage and sex within marriage um, can all be harmful. Absolutely. And I think that they could all be good. Absolutely. Um, I think that there's different... I think that there's so much that has to do with discernment and recognizing what you, knowing yourself well enough and having a relationship with, with Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that that's guiding you and directing you to where there's not so much like a, there's not this like sh- exchange of shame mm-hmm. or, or um, of fear around being sexual but it's actually um instead you're just walking with god in in the sexuality that you were given Mm -hmm. um because we like you said we are we are all sexual god chose to make sex pleasurable Mm -hmm. when i mean i think it's what humans and dolphins are the only animals that have (laughs) pleasure in sex or something like like that that. i don't know you can fact check me on that but (laughs) Um, always fact check us. Yeah, 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 don't listen. Take anything I say as fact. <laughs> Just disclaimer there. But um, yeah, the I think that God was very intentional in doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you you believe in God or not, that I think that uh, it's it sexual pleasure and and sexuality is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think what I've seen as negative fruit of this abstinence teaching are kind of two major lanes that people can go through. Not everybody goes through either of these lanes, but I think a lot of people do. And one is people have sex before marriage and walk in just an immense amount of shame and guilt and have to work through that in their life and accept, you know, the healing, redemptive power of the Lord. Or maybe they never get there. I mean, yeah. I hope that people get there. And then the other lane is people who don't have sex. I fall in this. <clears throat> don't have sex, they wait till marriage, they do everything right, and then they walk under their wedding day expecting, you know, this perfect marriage and this perfect sex life because I did the right thing and I waited. When actually, your sex life has to be cultivated, yeah. just like any other relational thing. Is yep. You don't just walk in and receive the gold medal. No. Yeah. It's, it's good, like, 
I, and I trust that like the Lord's will for me in waiting for, till marriage is good. But I, the misconception that like, oh, I did the right thing. Therefore, I'm not bringing any baggage. I don't have any trauma. I don't have any misconception. Like that's a total lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I 100% agree. I mean, I kind of touched on it. You expect this like life-changing event known yeah. as your wedding night where yeah. you consummate your marriage and you guys, the next day you feel the same. Yeah. It's like, oh, you are still the person you were. I'm still the person I was. We just now have a metal band on our fingers mm-hmm. and now we get to have sex. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's not a major shift mm-hmm. and everyone's like, oh, you feel so connected. I mean... Sure. Felt connected. We were naked together. But you are it's, physically connected. It's, you, are, you are physically connected. Um, but it was it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's it's not this massive shift. Yeah. And I think that's okay because then you actually can go into it like what I have now, I know I'm gonna have in five mm-hmm. years. But mm-hmm. I think that stands true then for people who didn't wait until marriage. Like mm-hmm. you're still you yep. the next day. Like yeah. yeah, there hasn't been a cosmic shift in the universe that you know has transformed you into a damaged pile of flowers. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're still you. Mm-hmm. You made a choice, mm-hmm. and there may have been other factors that played into it that were traumatic. But, like, your your whole life has not been drugged through the mud because of it. Yeah, yeah. and here's the thing: I think that I think that the church has really. Uh, made a mistake in this in being instead of being um pro healthy sexuality and pro a whole view of sexuality instead they've been anti-sex that's really good and that's that is you can't you you can't have your whole life before you get married be anti-sex don't do this don't do this don't do this don't do this don't cross these lines and then like you said be able to flip that switch right People don't work that way. Right? No. <laughs> well, and no it, one's teaching you emotional intelligence and, yeah. and how to lay boundaries and how to make sure that you don't end up in a codependent relationship or because those mm-hmm. things aren't sins. Yep. But I, I, like there should be a more wholesome teaching in, in how people should approach relationships, not just, you know, marital relationships, but all relationships that yeah. should apply into marriage. And I sometimes wish that we emphasize those things more. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and today with our, we have a very sex positive culture. Well, I mean, debatable, but in the majority of areas, we are leaning more sex positive. Yeah. And secular environments for sure. Yeah. And you're not like teenagers and young people in general are not going to automatically be drawn to this negative, like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Here's the list and the ways you can fail versus over here. It's like, oh, this is positive. This is good. Like you're going to feel empowered and you're going to feel, I guess my whole point is basically echoing what you both were saying. Like you have, we have to rise to the occasion to teach people a whole view, a whole perspective. And if, if our perspective is just, this is bad, we're not going to get anywhere for anything. Mm -hmm. Well, and we're not helping anybody in their future marriages. If the only thing that they focus on in building relationships with people is not having sex with them. Yep. That's not the main event. No. Or even not hugging them. (laughs) Not coming anywhere near them. Yes. Like that's not going to help you learn how to build healthy relationships with men in your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just not like men are dangerous and you have to stay away from them. And 
the only person you can trust is your husband, but how are you supposed to suddenly trust a husband when you haven't trusted any man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, except for well, your father. Well, you haven't yeah. even trusted yourself, really. Well, exactly. Yeah. Because you believe your body is, you know, just this trap and, like, you just don't want to fall into the wrong thing. Definitely. And so it's like you aren't trusting actually the goodness inside of you. Definitely. And you're not trusting the Holy Spirit to, to lead you through it. Yeah. Mistakes or no mistakes. Like, yeah. you have to trust that the Lord is going to get you through it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and also, um, God's not surprised or shocked by your fuck-ups. <laughs> no. Can you say that again, please? God is not surprised by your fuck-ups. For the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> like, so he's not surprised. He's not ashamed. He's not shocked. He's not, oh, my gosh, let me just close my eyes. Why they fornicate? It's it's like God knows. And he, he when he, cre- you know, whatever your beliefs, whether you believe in universe, divine love, if you're Buddhist, I mean, creation of the universe, whatever view you have, this was made on purpose. Yeah. Creator is not surprised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> so um, that's a, here's a question. In the midst of this, we're kind of deconstructing sort of this teaching that was meant for our good, mm-hmm. but... And, and, and we realized that there were some flaws in it. But my question is, in the midst of all that, how do we still uphold this biblical view of sex while also creating wholeness and preventing, you know, shame and guilt? Yeah. I mean, I think when I think about abstinence-only teaching or, like, in schools sure, um, or in churches or in homeschools, that is to 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 deprive a child of knowing about their their body is actually really harmful and can cause a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, like children getting sexually abused because they don't know that that is a sexual body part that someone is touching, or it can it can lead to um, women as they get older not understanding why certain things are happening in their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that one of the things that we can do to develop a healthier view of sexuality is to actually be open about that to our kids to the 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 generations that are coming up to say hey this is this is your vagina this Mm -hmm. is your vulva this is your i was googling what a vulva was the other day because i wasn't sure like it's (laughs) things like that where it's like okay these are your body parts this is how it works these are good Mm -hmm. and these are holy um and also for boys, too. Obviously, I just mentioned female body parts, but we can just throw the word penis in there, too. Penis, penis. <laughs> yeah. We're not afraid. Um, Your testicles, yeah. all the Yeah, all parts. of it. And if you really understand how those things work, then you have so much more ownership over them. Yeah. And you are going to be able to move forward in making more responsible choices. Totally. And I think on top of that, I, I mean, in general, I tend to hate going towards a a negative view of things and instead focus on what is the positive that we're trying to go towards by talking about this negative. That's good, Emma. So instead of saying, um, don't have sex, don't go, it, my church would say, stay out of the horizontal position whenever you're yeah. with a boy. Yeah. Don't lay down on the couch together. Don't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, don't, 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 don't. Instead say, do do this. Like, do develop healthy communication with your boyfriend. Yeah. Do um do bring 
your parents into that relationship、mm-hmm. when you're a teenager, so that they can sort of know what's going on and they can they can mentor you as people who have been in relationships、mm-hmm. and have a hopefully healthy marriage、mm-hmm. or whatever that looks like.、Mm-hmm. Someone in your church or in your community that does have a healthy marriage, or it looks like、um, not being afraid to talk to your parents or your yeah. friends yeah. about sex about. Oh, I I made out with my boyfriend and I got wet and I felt aroused and he was aroused and、uh, I what do I do with that? And feeling like there's been so much where it's like you can't talk about this. Yeah, you can't do anything.、Um, you just have to be stoic. But you should get married. Yes,、mm-hmm. right. But how do you develop a relationship with、yeah. someone when you aren't allowed to? To even come anywhere near any of these things,、mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you have to be super physical to be in a relationship, but it's there's so much where communication has broken down,、right. and it's actually very essential for creating healthy, healthy relationships within your community. And once you then do pursue having a spouse, yeah. Well, and I think even like to add on to that is when you only talk about what not to do, you miss out on the top opportunity to understand consent. Mm-hmm. Is like if you just feel like you shouldn't be doing anything,、mm-hmm. then both parties, male and female, or I guess male and male, female, female, depending,、mm-hmm. could could be crossing boundaries, and either one could be uncomfortable with it, but not really know how to say yes or no.、Mm-hmm. And so, like, we don't talk about consent because you're not supposed to consent to anything, and so yeah, you end up good, with people feeling like boundaries have been crossed, and they don't really even know why. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and then that can also turn into marriages that don't have consent as well. Yes,、yep. definitely. Yep. Well, and then there's also a confusion that can happen because you don't understand consent, so you're you are misunderstanding that that violation. Yeah. Of no consent for shame because you did something wrong. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I don't think abstinence as a teaching should be. Like shut out. I'm not、mm-hmm. saying that we don't talk about it. I'm not saying that we don't recognize God's design as articulated in the Bible.、Um, but I think we just have to frame the conversation differently.、Mm-hmm. I think we need to take emphasis off of "don't lose your virginity" and、mm-hmm. place emphasis on how to have a healthy marriage、yeah. and how to have healthy relationships. Because your husband is not your only relationship.、Mm-hmm. I mean,、yeah. I look back. I I have. A whole lot of trauma from a, a relationship with a friend that was codependent and abusive, and there was no framework in the church to talk about like, you know, a friend treating you wrongly. Yeah,、mm-hmm. we only talked about boys. Yeah,、mm-hmm. that was the only thing that mattered. So,、mm-hmm. um, definitely giving people a more whole perspective on on how to do life with everybody that you have to come in contact with, because your spouse, although a very important one, is not the only one.、Mm. Yeah, that's really good. And I mean, on your question about abstinence, I personally am in a place where I'm like, I don't know that I can tell people that that's what I think they should do. At this point in my life,、okay. I mean, I tell my sisters, be wise, know yourself, know you will remember. Like, what are you? What what memory do you want to have?、Um, but at the same time, I'm very aware, like. They're grown, beautiful, powerful women that get to make their own choices, and I think kind of like what you were saying, like if there's an emphasis on what is happening inside and what is my reasoning, and do people know themselves? Do people know? Oh, I don't know how to love myself, so I want someone else to love me, so maybe I can feel love.、Hmm. 
yeah, that's a bad reason to have sex. Yeah. Like, you know, and even in marriage, those things can happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that people need to have that perspective as well. Like, in marriage, like, if you haven't learned to know, like, when when you might be getting sex for the wrong reasons, Mm -hmm. like, it's just kind of a life skill. Mm -hmm. You got to know what's happening in your heart so that you know how to meet your needs in a healthy way. Yeah. Well, and I think the understanding is often that, like, once you get married, like, you're, it's free game. You know? Yeah, no. Sex all the time. But th- that's not true. Yeah. No, I want sex way more than James wants sex. And that's okay. Yeah. And, yeah. like, I get to learn and practice self-control. Mm-hmm. And that's a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would say that I probably have a slightly different view than you mm-hmm. in that, which is great. Um, where, from from my experience, and obviously my experience versus you guys' experience is very different since you guys have both been married for a good amount of time and I'm single Pringle. So I... Put her uh, up on Instagram. Oh, stop. Any men. Any men. Okay. No, not any men. <laughs> the, a good one. Uh, I... Which, like, is great. I actually really love being single right now. But mm-hmm. um, I think that from my experience and from the experiences that I have learned from other people, to, to me it seems as though abstinence is the best option mm-hmm. outside of marriage. And But I'm also not the abstinence police, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to go and enforce that onto people. I can say that this is a choice that I've made and um, that this is what I feel like I can feel... Um, I feel peace with Holy Spirit in, in doing that and walking in that, and I feel like it's something that um it's an intimacy that I don't want to to cross the line of right now mm-hmm. and uh I think that there in the past I had a lot of opinions about other people's sexual lives yeah you know like if I knew that somebody else had had sex it was like this is the end of the world yeah. this is everything breaking down this is horrible mm-hmm. and um and then even when I had, like, relationships with boys, I would feel like if we did anything that felt like it was crossing a line, then everything has fallen apart mm. and I'm in full meltdown. Yes. And, <laughs> and, I remember that feeling. <laughs> yes. It's very familiar. And uh, so it's, I think that the, like, my, I guess my my advice or my stance, mm. if someone were to ask me, should I have sex before marriage, I would probably say no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also not going to say that, that you're going to be ruined, you know, yeah. if you do. Mm. And I know people and have great friends who have had sex outside of marriage, and, and they have either stepped away from that and said, that was, that was a mistake and I'm not going to do it again, but, you know, I'm still good and I'm still whole and I'm still loved by God and I've had people who have stepped away from abusive sexual relationships and it's it's been really traumatizing mm-hmm. and um, I also know people who have had sex and have been totally fine mm-hmm. and they're like whatever about it mm-hmm. yeah. so I think that there's so much nuance in it and I don't think that it's a make or break it situation yeah, yeah I agree I also think though uh, to be very aware at what age you're making that decision like getting married at 22, I was still very young, um, even though it was the right timing for me. Like looking back, I'm like, oh, wow, like as a teenager, like shouldn't like 
whether I decide to continue an abstinence lifestyle or not, like, probably shouldn't make that choice as a teenager. And I know as a teenager, I would have hated to hear that because I'm like, <laughs> how dare you? But, like, it's it's sex is complicated. It's emotional and there's a lot to learn about yourself and your partner. And, um, yeah, I would just – that's that is the – advice I would give probably just pause until you're in college because you're not missing out no you're really not missing out when you're married you won't remember life without sex I would for any bible believing Christian I would advise that you take to heart what the Lord has said is good Mm. and um and so, I mean, I, I do stand for abstinence as a as the biblical uh, way to go about sexuality. But, um, but I mean, to echo Emma, and I, and I think both of you, is, I, I also don't think it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I don't think God is shocked. I don't think that um, you've been damaged or ruined. Um, and, and most importantly, like, you can move forward and you're going to be okay. And yeah. And there's redemption in your future marriage. Like, there just is. There's redemption. One thing that I also want to call out really quickly is that if you have gone through sexual abuse or if you've been raped, um, that also doesn't make you damaged. But I also want to say that even though God forgives you in that, like, there's still a process of healing in that. Yeah. And it's also okay to, to, um, to call it out. Yeah. And it's okay to report somebody mm-hmm. that is still loving. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I think that there's been a narrative in some spaces in the church that says, oh, you just need to forgive people. Or, oh, you just need to, um, you you don't, ha- like, if you reported somebody to the police, then that's not loving towards them because they're your brother in Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that that's linked with the abstinence culture and this whole suppression of sexuality. And um, it's actually the most loving thing to do is to get somebody help if they are, yeah. if they're doing that to women Absolutely. or even if they're just doing it to you because. Or even if they're doing it to men. Yeah. To, Any, to anybody. Anyone. <laughs> it's not okay. Yeah. And I just want to touch on that since we are talking about sex. And um, I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and there there are places that you can go to get help, and we will post resources. Um, just since we're talking about this, yeah, um, mm-hmm. like talk to somebody, yeah. and um, yeah. what, what happened to you wasn't okay. Yeah, yeah. I just want to affirm. And that. it's okay if you need time to talk to somebody too, though, because yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you'll know. Take your time. Yeah, and uh, we're rooting for you <laughs> on the sidelines. Absolutely. So. Uh, that brings us, I think, to kind of the close. And before we end, I wanted to give each of you an opportunity. If if you were talking to 16-year-old you, mm-hmm. what would you tell her? Mm-hmm. And and um, what have you been teaching yourself? 16-year-old Kelly was um, had her first boyfriend and um, was very excited about all the things. And I would just tell her, you know what, like, Whatever happens, this doesn't determine your story. It doesn't determine your story. And um, 
just be okay sitting with your emotions and searching your heart and understanding your why. Because for me, my why, it was an escape. And um, I think having, I mean, I know we all have coping mechanisms. We all need coping mechanisms. But um, understanding that coping mechanisms aren't necessarily uh, the healthier choice. And um, being like, you know what? It's okay to, to be in pain. And um, you, you actually just need to sit with that pain and not try to brush it under the rug. Mm. So that's good. Yeah. 16 year old Emma. <laughs> uh, 16 year old Emma was not hugging any of her friends who were boys and had never been in a relationship and was never going to kiss anybody until she was at the altar, as I said before. I think I would tell her to loosen up. <laughs> Relax. It's have a drink. Okay. Yeah. No, don't no, have a drink because you're 16 we don't and you're under drinking age. We don't give alcohol to minors. Um, so sorry. But Go tell her to just, yeah, <laughs> to just ease up. And I think there's, there's some things that I see that I think were mistakes in the ways that I treated friends who had relationships. And... Um, on a whole variety of, of, of sexual um, things that I saw my friends dealing with. And I thought, you're wrong. You are condemned for this. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you, you are lost mm-hmm. because of this. And, like, I wonder, like, if I, if I had been um, kinder and if I had been more accepting of people, like, what, what what would their lives look like now? I mean, it's kind of... Not that I just totally ruin these people's lives, but, like, I, I, I wonder what their view of the church would be like now or um, what their view of their sexuality would be like now because mm-hmm. I think that I, I worry that I contributed to a lot of unhealthy views of sexuality. And... I understand now that like that's not on me and that there's there's grace for me in that <laughs> but that's what I would say to to six-year-old me she was very self-righteous <laughs> 16 year old Kelly with her little virginity rock shirt was also pretty <laughs> self-righteous um uh and I would tell me and any other girl too is that um abstinence doesn't make you pure mm-hmm. it's not your purity is not something that you can earn. It's not something that you can gain. It is something that, that the Lord has given to you and the Lord died for you for. And so regardless of your sexual history, regardless of uh, mistakes that you make or choices that you make, you are pure by the blood of Christ. And um, that is a gift. And it's just something that you inherently have. And... Um, that doesn't mean don't be obedient, and that doesn't mean don't keep seeking the Lord, but but just know that your purity and, and, and the measure of love that the Lord has poured out on you is unwavering. There's nothing that you can do. It is there for you forever yeah. and ever. So um, that was that's what I would say to me is, you know, loosen up a bit because guess what? It's actually not on your own doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to challenge our Christian audience a little bit, um, maybe a lot of it. 
Um, but I've actually been learning about uh, what is known today as the chakras, the energy centers of the body, if you will, um, and actually focusing on my sacral space, my womb bowl, and um, holding that space as sacred um, and just in, a, in an effort to reconnect to my beautiful feminine portion of my body. Um, I mean, I've even, there was this weird experience in uh, ministry school that I was very into yoga and the Lord's like, I'm going to do yoga with you today. And I was like, okay. And he was like, but you're going to do it naked. And I was like, excuse me. And <laughs> Lord. Lord. and um, so I did. And he, I had a big sliding mirror on my closet. And he was like, no, you're going to watch yourself. You're going to see how beautiful your body is and how good it is. And um, I realized I'm a more curvy woman. And I realized, like, my body is really beautiful. And it actually looks like, you know, Greek sculptures. That's what, that's what my body looks like, and it's art, and it's beautiful, and it's holy. And just reconnecting to that, that holiness and goodness that is your feminine form. Um, so yeah, that's what I have been learning. It is a great unlearning, mm-hmm. and it is a constant unraveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like God has been very kind to me in um, whenever I'm unlearning things. Uh, that the church has taught me it's very gradual Mm. and so I just think that gradually as I've grown up over the past essentially since I graduated high school um, I've seen just subtle shifts in in the way that I think about all of these things and I think that um, like as I've gained more resources to listen to and to read and and as I've had more discourse with women like yourselves like that's been part of my unlearning in in all of this and um I think that uh that that practice that you mentioned of of like thinking like of recognizing your sexuality is something that I've been learning a lot about in the past year or so um and I've had some discussions with close friends about like okay actually I can I can thank God for for my sex drive and I can thank God for all the ways that my body actually is showing that it's working well mm-hmm. and um, I can also thank God for um, for the for the potential to eventually um, have a relationship mm-hmm. that's intimate like that with someone. Um, mm-hmm rather than it being something that's frustrating or um, feeling, I don't know. I think that in singleness, a lot of times Christian women feel very impatient in it. Um, and I feel like in some ways I've sort of gone the opposite direction of saying like, no, 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 I actually just don't don't even want it. Um, but some of that is like feeling afraid that um, if, I, if I say I want it and I don't get it, then I've, I, I'm, I've been wrong. And I was prideful in that. Um, but that's a whole different thing. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I think that uh, stepping into a space of, of accepting God for my sexuality mm-hmm. in singleness and in abstinence yeah. um, has been really valuable for me. Yeah. That's awesome. In the past year, I, I've also started this practice of like when I feel when I feel that sex drive rise up in me, I'm like, 
thank you for being here today. <laughs> like, okay, this is, this is okay. This is a part of me. This is not something that is only allowed to exist in my bedroom with my husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, like, it's not dependent on him. It's a part of me. And um, that's, I'm not saying that, like, I can or should go out and act on that in my own way. I'm just saying that, you know, feeling wet or, or feeling that tingle, like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you, body. You're doing what you're designed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I, I just think I had a lot of body dysphoria growing up in, yeah. in that uh, it was just sort of a thing that yeah. I lived inside. And um, when I got married, like, I was learning about my body just as equally as Ross was because mm-hmm. I just didn't look down there. I didn't talk about it. I didn't, mm. like, acknowledge that it was really a part of me. And so mm. in my marriage and um, over the course of time, I've just been accepting it for what it is mm. and, and and inviting it into me and my world. Yeah. It's, it's not just sort of this, like, thing that I have that I feel uncomfortable in. So, um yeah, that's been my journey most lately. Yeah. Uh, thank you, guys, for sharing and thank being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Actually, if you don't mind, yeah. I would have a practice that I would recommend to our listeners. Um, if you're just wanting to get more present and into your body, it's called pleasure practice. It is not sexual. Um, disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer. Um, but it's just recognizing, like, what feels good. Like, is it like brushing your hair or when you're in the shower, like noticing how the water feels when it hits your skin, when you're holding hands with someone you love, like what, what feels good, but innocent and cultivating that, that understanding and presentness, um, that was a great gateway for me to work towards other practices to help reconnect me with my body. Um, I mean, even like, do you have a soft shirt that you love to wear? Like, Mm. feel it on your skin. Like, the pleasure that that brings that is not sexual, Mm -hmm. but that your body's good. Yeah. Um, I would suggest suggest that. Just like loving the senses that God gave you. Yeah. And like the way that you experience the world through that. How does breakfast smell? Mm-hmm. You know, what is that refreshing beverage you love? Mm. Is it a kombucha? Is it a lemonade? What is it? Yeah. And just really sitting with the enjoyment of life. Yeah. Being more in tune with your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all great. Okay. Thank you guys for being here and Thank sharing you. and being vulnerable. And, uh, um, to all our listeners and our women beings out there, we love you and thank you for listening. Um, we always say this, but you can follow us on Instagram at woman being podcast, or you can check out our website, womanbeingcommunity.com. So, um, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Adios. Bye.